feel the Lord's wanting to restore confidence. If you've had a, a trauma or a broken relationship or some kind of thing that's happened to, to cause your confidence to be let down in yourself and, and in the Lord, I believe this morning he wants to restore that confidence. Things that you have let go that you say will never happen or that won't ever happen, maybe even, you know, things that you've asked the Lord about that you have desires for, your dreams, whatever. The Lord wants to restore your confidence in Him. And I just believe that to reach out to Him now, just reach out to Him to have that confidence restored and, and know that He has you. He has you in His hand. He has you. He's, he's faithful. His mercy is new every morning. If you've had a failure, well, so what? Everybody has failures. But just draw on the Lord. And, and the Lord, while we were getting that joy, the Lord said, it's better than Botox. Get rid of, get rid of those frown lines. Hallelujah. And have some laugh lines. But be, re, be re have re confidence again in who you are in Christ and who he is in you. He wants to restore that confidence and that joy will return. Don't let the enemy's fiery darts take you down and, and, and cause you to not have confidence in him anymore or in yourself. You are made in the image of Christ. He wants to restore you to that confidence and that boldness. You know, the first time the uh, disciples uh, got nailed after the uh, Pentecost, and they had been filled with the Spirit of God and with the fire of God, and they went out and had miracles happen. And, and, and then they, the religious spirits came to persecute them and try to shut them up. And what did they do? They went back and they prayed, Lord, give us boldness. Fill us again with your spirit. Give us boldness, Lord, to proclaim your gospel. Give us boldness. So we need that restored to us. That it's that he is there to give that to us, that boldness and that confidence that who we are in him and who he is in us. Hallelujah. And the joy should come. Come on, people. Let's do a shout or something. Let's do it. Hallelujah. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Okay. Today's a great day. All right. I felt something to encourage you guys with. Does anyone in here today have a problem that's going on in their lives? Big or small? A problem. Big or small? Anyone? Probably all of us can raise our hands. From giant financial problems to stubbed your toe, any, anything like that, okay? <laughs> well, I just wanted to encourage you today that the Father is the ultimate solution maker, um, that he actually has a solution even before there was a problem. Because he had a solution for the greatest problem of all time. He had an answer to the biggest mistake we have ever made, even before that mistake was made. Right? Because he gave Jesus before the foundations of the earth. He already had an answer even before there was a problem. 
So would you just receive that today, right now? So Father, we just thank you for your solution. And we believe you, we look to you, that you are far greater than any problem. That even if we mess up so bad that we can't fix it ourselves, that Father, you are willing to come yourself and fix that problem because you sent Jesus for us. So we just receive your solution today in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to continue from last week. Um, Last week, I started a message called Representing a Generous Father, a More Than Enough Mindset. So was anyone not here last week? Quite a few. Okay. Well, I'm going to do a speedy, speedy review just to catch you up. And if you want to listen to the whole message, it's on the podcast. Um, So what we did first last week was we, we wrote down what our dream inheritance for our kids would be. And we let ourselves dream big. So if we want to leave our, our kids land or um, a college fund or cars, what's in our hearts to leave our kids? And, and we know that our father, he's a good father and he wants to give even bigger things to us, right? Um, so, and we know that God wants to meet our needs, but what about our wants, Right, and we talked about that. Um, I shared quite a few testimonies about how God came in and met desires in my heart that didn't matter, from bringing me coffee to, to just uh, to shoes and random things like that, just to show me that he's a good father and that he cares about and delights about every detail of our lives. Um, so then we looked at the word, and we saw that when Jesus met a need, he met it with more than enough. So like when he fed the 5,000, everyone ate and was full, and there was leftovers. All the disciples picked up leftovers. So we're talking about this more than enough uh, character that God has. Um, Jesus uh, met that need with a miraculous catch of fish twice, right? And so in both of those things, if having more than enough was wrong, then Jesus actually sent the wrong message to 5,000 men and women plus children. Right, So we know that there's something about having more than enough that God wants us to get. Um, He did water to wine. Um, We know that heaven has abundance with streets of pure gold and no lack. And we know that Jesus came so that right now we can receive heaven on earth. We can receive that on earth as it is in heaven. Um, Last week, am I going too fast? Are you guys okay? Okay, just trying to catch you up here. Okay, (laughs) so um, we... We've established here at NCF as a core value that it is God's will to heal us physically, right? And that, um, that Jesus came to take care of that. And even if you are experiencing uh, different circumstances than what Jesus purchased, that we can believe in faith to receive that healing until it manifests in the physical, right? So I believe that God wants us to, to believe him to receive more than enough physically in our, in our finances and from redemption out of poverty with the same fervor that we believe in for healing. Okay? Um, so like possessing the promised land, we may have to fight against enemies who steal our inheritance. We talked about that last week, how God, it was God's will for his children to go into the land of milk, flowing with milk and honey. But enemies were there, and so God, God had to sent them in and they had to fight for it, right? So they had to possess that. They had to possess their more than enough. Um, and our inheritance from God is flowing milk and honey. So last week, and this is the end of our blazing review. Um, <laughs> last week, I left you with this thought that just because the prosperity message has been distorted and abused does not mean that it's not our inheritance. 
Will you let the sin of others, their misuse of that message, rob you of your inheritance? Okay. You guys okay? No one fell off the train, right? We're all, all hanging on. Okay. So today I want to continue that and talk about the power of more than enough. Okay? So I think some of the resistance to that message of coming up out of poverty and receiving God's more than enough is a lot of fear, potentially because of how we see other people handle extreme riches. Would you agree? You know, the rich and famous kind of go off their rocker a lot of the times and and all this, this stuff. And also, um, we have a lot of doubts about, well, maybe God doesn't want us to have that more than enough. Maybe um, actually being religious is moving in poverty. Has anyone ever had that thought before? Maybe? Okay. Well, we're going to address that today, okay? <clears throat> so, and here's another thought. If, if Regarding your own kids, let's think about it this way. If you always give them more than enough, does that always produce spoiled kids? Not always, no. But would you, th- would you say that that could potentially be a, an unspoken fear about receiving more than enough from God? Okay, awesome. Then we're going to address that too. Okay, so uh, let's go to the Word. Does anyone else love the Word? It's good stuff, yeah. Okay, so let's look at Luke 5. And I didn't give them scriptures back there. We can look them up together. thought that would be fun. Um. You guys doing okay today? Okay. (laughs) So um, if you want to open your Bibles or flip open your smartphone. Did anyone bring a real Bible today? Woohoo! Yeah. Awesome. Okay. (laughs) I heard a few pages flipping, so. (laughs) Okay, so Luke 5, 3 through 11. I'm going to read in the NIV. So um, it says, Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. So let's just pause real quick and set some background. So this is kind of at the beginning of what we know about uh, Jesus and calling his disciples. So we know that Simon is soon to be Peter, right? Um, So this is before uh, Peter or Simon started following Jesus, okay? So Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. So he's sitting in Simon's boat teaching the people, okay? When, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners to the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. When Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, from now on uh, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to shore, left everything, and followed him. Okay, so we're looking at this in the context of looking at responses to Jesus' lavish generosity, okay? So I have um, four, four different responses that we can see just from this passage, okay? So in verse 8, it says that Peter fell at Jesus' knees. 
So he responded to Jesus' miracle of more than enough with worship and repentance. It says that, Jesus, that Peter sorry, was astonished at the catch of fish. So if you catch a giant fish, the obvious response is going to be fall at Jesus' knees and say, I'm a sinful man, right? I don't know. Well, that was seemingly the obvious response for Peter, I guess. Um, he got this giant load of fish, fell at Jesus' feet, and said, I'm a sinful man, okay? So why would he respond that way, though? Obviously, that catch of fish was supernatural, right? Um, and, and also, that miracle happened in response to the word that Jesus gave, right? Okay? So the supernatural nature of that miracle meant to Peter that Jesus must be God or close to it, right? He didn't know at the the time, right? But it required worship and it brought repentance. And suddenly Peter was aware that he was in the presence of God. And when you are in the presence of God, you're suddenly aware of your sin, right? Because when you're in the presence of a perfect God, your sin comes to light. So the only response, the right response is repentance. It's to turn to him. Isn't it awesome? So Peter realized that Jesus was God and he realized he needed a savior. He said, I'm a sinful man, right? Isn't it awesome that Jesus chose to speak Peter's language? Peter was a fisherman. And so Jesus wanted to show the divine abundant nature of God to Peter through what? Fish, right? So that miracle of more than enough, it wasn't to spoil Peter and make him a rotten kid. It was to show him he was a kid. It was to show him that he was a son of God. And it was to bring him to repentance to turn to God. So so Peter was experiencing Jesus' kindness that leads to repentance. I'm just going to read this. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you show the contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Isn't he an awesome father? That kindness can lead us to turn to him? He's not a browbeater. He's, he's an extreme lavish lover. <clears throat> so, and the cool thing about repentance is that repentance just means to turn to God, right? That, that word for repentance just means to turn. And so it doesn't necessarily mean, for, for Peter here, it meant a full turn, like a, a turning away from sin and turning to fully look at Jesus. But for you, the repentance might just be a change in mindset. It, it might be realizing that he wants to give you that abundance and turning your mindset to believe him fully for who he is. <clears throat> So, so the many times that I shared last week that God lavished his goodness on me, every single time it brought me to my knees. And I realized, God, you are so good. And for some reason, even the, the, the smaller things seem to have the bigger effect. You know? Even more than thousands of dollars and everything, for some reason it was the bringing me coffee. You know, the little things that don't matter. Because why would the God of the universe care about me having a cup of coffee that day? To me, it showed me his character. And the abundance that he was bringing was to reveal something about his character. So, so if you experience the goodness of God, 
maybe there's a part of your life he's wanting to turn to him. So that first one, that first response to Jesus' lavish, uh, miraculous generosity is worship and repentance. The second is more than we deserve. So Peter realized that the catch of fish that he received was way more than he deserved, right? And in verse 5, it says this. It says, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. So we can work hard all night and not catch anything. The lavish generosity of God is ultimately a gift, right? We cannot have it by works. It's an inheritance because of who we are as God's children. So Ephesians 2, 4 through 10, I'm just going to read this one to you too. It says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And it says it again, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by work so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So another thing I believe about that abundance is that God wants us to be aware that we're seated with him in heavenly places, right? All of us are currently, our spirit is seated with Jesus in heavenly places. And we talked about last week how in heaven there's no lack, right? The the streets are pure gold and, and all this abundance that God wants us to experience his abundance right now, that he sent Jesus so that we could have on earth as it is in heaven, Okay, you guys doing all right? Okay. Okay, the third thing is expressing his love. And we've kind of talked about this already. So we know that that as we read about Jesus through the Gospels, that he taught us about an unseen kingdom with seen things, right? That his, all of his parables were, were relatable stories, right? But he taught us about an unseen kingdom through those relatable stories. So I believe that that through his lavish generosity, he wants to teach us spiritual concepts, right? So like we said, that he used what Peter knew, fish, to show him about his abundant nature and to illustrate how Peter would become a fisher of men. So rejecting the miracle of more than enough could mean rejecting revelation about the Father and his kingdom. We can't get caught up in this stuff. Instead, it's to lead us to Jesus. And that's the next point, is to follow Jesus. So we're talking about the results of lavish generosity, okay? Um, so we know that, that Peter saw sin and repented. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. And from that point on, Peter and the other men followed Jesus. So in verse 11, it says, they pulled their boats up to shore, left everything, and followed him. So the more than enough is meant to lead us to Jesus so that we follow him. That that they were more impressed by Jesus than the stuff itself, right? They just left their miracle catch of fish and followed him. Right? (laughs) They actually left the miracle and followed Jesus. Why would they do that? Because the miracle was actually just a sign to lead them to the miracle maker. 
And like I said earlier, every time that God gave me something big or small, it led me to the miracle maker. And it revealed more about who he is and what he wants to do for us. So last week I talked about a little story about when I received his more than enough. Um, Remember the story about going to eat at Mojo's? And we ended up paying $3.15 for dinner. You guys remember that story? Well, for those of you who aren't here, I always have an attitude about having to spend money for food and all this stuff. Well, God just came and lavished his goodness on us, and we paid $3.15 for dinner for four of us, right? And, um, and so I was immediately repentant for my attitude whenever I received that abundance. I was like, God, you're so good, and you gave me more than I deserved. So, so I don't know about you, but every time the Lord gives to me, especially when it's beyond need, it just breaks me. It causes me to worship and reminds me that he's a good, good father. So remember Luke 5, 8, it said, When Simon Peter saw the huge catch of fish, Jesus, more than enough, the father's lavish generosity, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. So it's all to lead us to Jesus. So... So this miracle happened actually twice. It happened again, resurrected Jesus, performed this miracle. Again, it's in John 21, if you guys want to turn there. John 21, 4 through 11, and I'm in the NIV still. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The disciples followed in the boat, towing the net of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, uh, even with so many, the net was not torn. So isn't it interesting, the first time Jesus does that miracle, he calls Peter. The second time he does the miracle, he reinstates Peter. Okay, so from the moment we're called, we receive the Father's more than enough. And Jesus will also perform that more than enough to remind us again who we are in him, to draw us back to him when we go astray. He doesn't want us to forget that he's the good father, right, and that we're his kids. And the cool thing is that John, uh, the disciple who Jesus loved, is what it says here, that John actually identified Jesus by that miracle of more than enough. Whenever the miracle happened, all of a sudden John realized, oh my gosh, that was the Lord. And then Peter jumped in the water and goes after, after Jesus. So it's also interesting that the second time, the nets didn't break. So I just have to think that maybe after all that time spent with Jesus, the disciples had expanded their capacity and realized what they could receive from God. So also the second time, 
Jesus actually invited them to eat from the catch of fish with him. In, in verse 12 through 13, Jesus said, Now come and have some breakfast. None of the, the disciples dared to ask him, who, you are, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. So the amazing thing is, is that we actually get to partake in that abundance with him. That we're in covenant with him. We are friends of God. He says, you're not slaves, you're friends. So we get to experience the abundance that he lavishes on, him, on us with him, right? So it, it builds our relationship with him as his children. Okay. You guys still doing all right? Yeah, okay. We have more time today. That's awesome. We now have 16 minutes. <laughs> Okay, so I, sh- I got to read this verse again to you that I read last week because it's so awesome. It's in 2 Corinthians 8, 9 in the Passion Translation. It says, For you have experienced the extravagant grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was infinitely rich, he impoverished himself for our sake, so that by his poverty we could become rich beyond measure. So have you possessed the promised land in regards to your finances? And to your provision. So we know that Jesus wants to do this. Do you guys agree with me we've established that? Yeah. So whenever this, like I said last week, whenever I started experiencing this abundance from God, I, I did have some questions. I had a few, but what about moments, you know, thinking about the word? Because really, I would say some religion really builds a stronghold against that saying that, that poverty is probably better. Okay, so let's address a few of those, those moments. Is that okay with you guys? Um, so Jesus actually talked about money a lot. And, and there are several places, like I said, that, that you might even think, well, maybe poor is better. Has anyone ever been reading the Word and wondered that? I know I have. But, but the common thing that I found in every single story and, and time that Jesus addressed people about money, it actually was, he was addressing the heart. That it was always a heart issue. That it was never the money itself. Um, and just for the sake of time, we're not going to read these. But one of them is foxes have holes. That story. Um, when the widow gave her penny, then the rich young ruler, and even um, a New Testament example of Ananias and Sapphira. Now, in all of these, if you go back and look at them, Jesus was addressing the heart. He, Jesus knew that one thing that would keep the people from actually following him, and he addressed it. Because he knows the best for everyone is to follow him fully. And so, like with the rich young ruler, his thing was he wanted the stuff. You know? And how many of you know we all have our thing? <laughs> well, for the rich young ruler, it just happened to be stuff. So Jesus said, okay. I can take care of that. Just go sell your stuff, and then you can follow me, right? But for someone else, like for me, God was like, hey, I'm going to start giving you stuff. <laughs> Why? Because the thing that was keeping me from receiving fully what he had was not wanting to receive his stuff. It was a poverty mindset. So God wants to address that heart issue. Um, and I actually, I want to look at Ananias and Sapphira real quick because it's a really good one about talking about the heart. Um, it's in Acts 5, 3 through 4. 
You can turn there if you'd like to. Um, I'm going to read out of the New Living. It says, then Peter said, so this is after, you guys know the story, right? And I said, Ananias and Sapphira, they were ones that like dropped dead. How could you forget that story, right? <laughs> um, so this is after it happened, okay? And Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. This is the big part. The property was yours to sell or not to sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. So Peter said straight up, the money and the property was not the deal. The deal was your heart and the sin you committed from your heart, right? Um, Again, uh, Matthew 26, 7 through 13 This is about the woman pouring the expensive perfume on Jesus. Again, Jesus sees the heart when the disciples only saw the surface. Um, So this says, while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and poured it over his head. The disciples were indignant when they saw this. What a waste, they said. It could have been sold for a high price and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, replied, why criticize this woman for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. And then, um, I won't read the rest there. But again, Jesus saw the heart. He saw that that, that was an act of worship. And, and an act of worship is not a waste to Jesus. Here's another one. I think this is probably a big hang-up to, uh, to receiving abundance. And this is in Mark 6, 7 through 10. This is when Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. So let's read this one together. It says, And he called his twelve disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. Here's, here's the catchy part. It said, He told them to take nothing for their journey except a walking stick, no food, no traveler's bag, no money. He allowed them to wear sandals, but not to take a change of clothes. Wherever you go, he said, stay in the same house until you leave town. So why would Jesus give that command? On a service level, that could look like Jesus wants us to live in poverty, right? Or that he doesn't want us to have more than enough. If he's saying, don't even take a change of undies. How many of you want a change of undies on your journey? Right? I just had to wake you guys up a little bit. (laughs) But what was really the purpose of Jesus saying that? I believe it was because Jesus actually wanted the people who were receiving the gospel to take care of those who were bringing the gospel to them. That the gospel should be worth enough to be able to pay for the people who's bringing it, right? So we're willing to pay for the people who make our shoes. We're willing to pay for the, the people who uh, train our armies. We're willing to pay for the people who make our food, right? Are we willing to pay for the people who bring us the word? And Jesus was addressing that. And he, so much so, he told his disciples, don't take anything with you. Maybe so they had to <laughs> believe in faith to receive that, right? Because how many of you know we, we uh, believe more about things that we have to sacrifice for, right? It's, it's more valuable. It's a better way to say it. It's more valuable when we sacrifice for it. Um, so Ephesians four eleven through 12 
It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And I'm blazing because we're almost out of time again. But Romans 13, 6 through 8 says, Pay your taxes too for these same reasons, for government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. 1 Corinthians 9, 9 through 14 um, it says the law of Moses said you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? When isn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share in the harvest. Since we have planted a spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we be given a greater right to be supported? And if you skip down, it says, In the same way, the Lord ordered those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it. I'm not saying that to say you need to pay Pastor CJ more, okay? I'm saying that to address that Jesus was, that the reason for Jesus sending them out two by two with only some sandals. Does that make sense? Okay. So again, Jesus didn't want them to be poor. He wanted them to be well supported by the people they were going to serve. Okay. And in seven minutes, I just want to touch on this super quick. So another hindrance to receiving God's abundance. We might have the thought, well, if I receive abundance, do I have to give it all away? Has anyone else had that thought? That if I meet my needs, do I have to give all the extra to the poor? So I want to address that too. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. All right, skip down to verse 10. It says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will will result in thanksgiving to God. Um, I talked about this a few years ago, I think it was, but I think there's probably enough new people to touch on it again. But but I want to touch on is the difference between seed and bread. That God provides seed to the sower and bread for food. Seed is intended to be invested. Bread is intended to be eaten. God provides both. So God meets our needs, and he also provides the seed so that we can invest it in others. Right? So, so if God gives something to you, it, it may not be seed. Right? Um. Like whenever he gave me the Converse shoes, I feel like that was bread, that he was meeting a desire and a need in me, and he didn't intend for me to give those away. It would be like if you give your kid a Christmas present that they've always wanted, and then they go and give it to their friend. Like how would that make you feel, right? Because you intended that to be a gift for them. And so, so God's the same way. He provides seed to the sower and bread for food. Does that make sense? I'm doing the super blazing fast version
Um, another thing I want to touch on, just that is an awesome concept, is that, that God provides everything you need and extra so that you can be generous. And we've had multiple times whenever we have decided in our heart to give something, and then God provides the seed to be able to do that. Like last week, I talked about the story I wanted to, it was a desire of my heart to do a meal for my worship team, and I didn't have the seed to do that at that time. I, I didn't have the finances or the means to do that. And so I was like, God, you provide the seed to the sowers. And I've decided in my heart to give this. And so he did. He provided that seed, and I was able to invest that. Okay. So, Pastor TJ, is it okay if we get in groups and pray for each other? Okay. Um, I was feeling this. Um, I really feel like God wants to really release this abundance over us. And um, so I want to provide an opportunity if you want to get in groups of like three or four. What I feel like we need to do is pray and repent for a mindset of rejecting the more than enough. Okay? And repentance is not like groveling on the floor. It's just a turn to God, right? If you want to grovel on the floor, you can. (laughs) But let's just pray together a simple prayer of turning back to God in this area of more than enough, okay? And then I I want us to pray over each other and just release that, that we would begin to experience it, okay? Does that sound okay? All right. And if you still have doubts, or if there's still areas where you're like, I'm not sure about that, invite the Holy Spirit to answer those questions, because he's he's not afraid of our questions. Does that sound good? Is that okay? Okay, so we have three minutes until we break. So let's go ahead and break up into groups and pray over each other, okay? said this is a very controversial message you know uh, and this is one of those controversial messages but I want to ask you this question what is your posture concerning this word are you reacting to it or are you responding to it and it's important because if you're reacting in other words when she's sharing things and you're reacting by saying well what about this what about this what about this and you're throwing up all these things reacting to what she's saying instead of saying father what are you wanting to teach me Because if you deal with, and I've dealt with this for many, many years, probably the majority of the years of my life, a poverty mentality, where I begin to see money as evil and people who had lots of money as evil. Now that may sound crazy, but but because of religiosity and all that kind of stuff, your mindset can get to a place to where you reject what God is wanting to do. And you can say, well, this is out of balance. Well, every message we preach is going to be out of balance because we can't preach the entire message of God, right? And so I just want to encourage you. I believe the Father is wanting to bring you to a greater place of understanding of his goodness. And so I challenge you, as your pastor this week, to listen to the message again. It'll be on the podcast. 
with a responsive attitude and say, Holy Spirit, what are you wanting to show me? First, repent of any negative reactions. And if you have questions, God is not afraid of your questions. And please come and talk to us leaders. Say, or talk to Kayla and say, well, are you saying this and this and this? And I think if you hear her heart and everything, you'll see that, oh, okay, it's not the negative things we think a lot. So please come and ask those questions instead of reacting. And then let's also protect our relational environment and not go away talking about the message and talking about Kaylin in a negative light if you disagree with the message. If you disagree and, and wholeheartedly believe this is not of God, pray for us and not gripe against us. Amen? So, Father, we thank you that you are so good. We thank you that you're revealing yourself to us more and more because you're so amazing. And everyone in here is so amazing because you love us that way. And we open our hearts to you to respond to your word, whatever it is. And it happens to be this word this week and last week about your generosity towards us. And so we open our hearts to receive what you want to teach us and show us through your message. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You guys have a great week.